Grab your pre-workout and turn up that volume. It is time for a new episode of the Powerlifters Den with your host, Cam Smith. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to episode 12 of the Powerlifters Den. Today, I have on a guest who is one of the all-time greats in multiply lifting, as well as um, a former Westside trainer. Uh, Greg, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, hi, I'm Greg Pura. I am 43 years old in Portland, Maine. Most of you guys probably know me from the West Side movie. My best multiply numbers were at 2630. My best raw numbers, raw with sleeves, was 2102. And single ply, 2335. I have seven world records. And I coach about 1,100 people right now online. That's awesome. Um, so, yeah, the, the first time I learned about you, you were one of the first powerlifters I kind of learned about getting into the sport. <laughs> Obviously, uh, watching West Side versus the world, that was a. Uh, a brief introduction yep. to it and i was kind of like this is crazy <laughs> so uh, so yeah and then um yeah i know you had uh had spent some time yeah. there and um why don't you tell me about maybe um kind of your journey going yeah sure into so getting into west side i i started learning about powerlifting early like i started obsessing over policy at 13 14 years old i was already you know fully um you know fully into it as far as like you know uh you know, I, I want to be a powerlifter, powerlifter or, or strongman. I wasn't sure which I wanted to do, but one of those two. And so my dad brought home a computer one day. He was like right when computers first came around. He had one at work that someone gave him or something. He brought it home, set it up, and I went, I, I Googled or whatever, whatever the search engine was, like bench press. And eventually, over the course of like a week of looking at bench presses, I came across Westside Barbell. And I was like, this is it. It was almost like a supernatural, like, you know, when I was like, this is what you need to do. Nothing else matters. Just do this. And so from like 14 years old on, I was obsessed, obsessed with the West Side and the idea of it, you know, and Louie and Chuck V and the guys that were there, it seemed amazing. So I was like, that's what I want to do. So I started, you know, gearing my life up for it. And then my dad was like, you got to go to college, man. You can't, you know, this, this is a bad idea to do without going to college because if it doesn't work, you're fucked. And so I was like, all right. So I ended up going to college, getting a degree. And the day I got my degree, I went to Ohio. I left that night. And I was left in my car for about a month and a half when I first got there. You guys know the story. And, uh, you know, at first yeah. it was the most miserable thing I'd ever done in my life. I was like, this is the worst thing. And I was like, I can't go home. I don't have money to go home. I'm stuck here. So really the only reason I stayed there was because I didn't have any money. I like, you know, I, I went to like 400 bucks, you know, and 400 bucks runs out real yeah. quick. So, yeah. yeah, so I was stuck there and it yeah. obviously worked out. But, man, I want to go home every minute when I first got there. Yeah, I think that that level of like dedication of just like being all yeah. in is something random. And I, I went so. from you know just being a, a a a good like local lifter to that. I had no, I had no idea what it was going to be. I had no idea it was going to be that that insane. But it was great. I loved it. Yeah, and I, I think some of it obviously can be contributed to like yeah. Louis methods yeah. and things like that. But. Um, yeah. I think from my perspective, I feel like it's just part of it is the energy yeah, there must just is. be unmatched. Yeah. So it's the yeah. fact the thing that we do I think better than anybody else was that everybody there was competing every day and it meant a lot, you know, it meant a lot to win and a lot to lose. So people were pushing every day. It was never and never an easy day, you know. Never do we go in there like, Yeah, this is not yeah. too much today. We we're always somebody was calling you out to do something. So that's what it is, the energy of that of the competition and the you know, and the competitiveness is, is everything in that gym. More important than the methods, more important than anything else there. Yeah. 
Um, I guess what was um what was like that first day like at West Side? <laughs> Honestly, my first day, I mostly I mostly stood in the back, you know, and, and hope nobody saw me. And uh, I, the first day, like maybe day three, is like when I actually started training. And uh, so actually, you know, fast fast to stress that the I first went and visited. So this is kind of a funny story. When I first went out to Ohio, I went there for four days for a visit. I was I was about to graduate, and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna go out there for a couple days, see what's like. So I went and stayed in the ho- in, a, in a motel. And so I went and trained at Westside for those days, and there was nobody in there. The only one at Westside was me, Louie, and, like, some old guy. It was, like, Louie's neighbor who, like, was a bodybuilder 30 years ago. <laughs> and so we'd work out. We'd go to his, the, the neighbor's house. We'd grill, like, broths. We'd drink, you know, Miller Lite. And I'm like, this is great and all, but I can do this back home. I, I don't know why. I don't know And Louie <laughs> never told me. Louie was like, I never, never heard a word. And so I, I was really confused about it. I was like, do I really want to go there? Like, my, my, my gym here is better. My literature, this, actually, I'm actually running literature. There's nobody in the gym. And so at the last possible minute after I graduated, I was like, you know what? I'm gone. And so I just got my car and left, and I got there. And what I hadn't realized was that everybody that, that week when I went there before, everybody was getting ready for the, for, the, um, for the Iron House, which was a huge meet back then. And so nobody was in the gym, but nobody told me that. And so I came back, and then it was like, <laughs> I mean, everybody was a mad. I had never seen guys that big before. Even so now today, I've, I've never seen yeah. people just as big and athletic as the dudes are in there. It's insane. <laughs> the stuff you would see like on a daily basis is absolutely insane. What I get very used to as like an average, you know, it's like this is somebody who's average strength. You know, in reality, is somebody who's <laughs> at the you know, highest levels of strength, you know, but that's yeah, West Side's average. So. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, definitely after being in the sport a while, you kind of get, like, desensitized yeah, yeah. to, like, what a normal right, worker can do. No so, you're like, oh, yeah, you're like, oh, 400-pound yeah. bench, I right. see that all the time. Yeah, but, but you don't yeah. go to a commercial yeah. gym and see right. that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, um, I guess, to this day, you kind of, I'm guessing you still kind of go with the concrete. No, no, not at all. Nope, that changed up everything, yeah. So, what happened was, yeah. in 2010, I had a, I had a massive stroke. I was right at the top. I was getting ready for, yep. I can't remember what comp it was for a big comp. I was going to you know, re-break the world record again. And then all of a sudden, just like this whole side of my body shut off. It was just gone. I woke up at 2 in the morning and nothing here. It's gone. And so I thought I was done. I retired from the sport. And I was, I was, I was, I really, for like three years, didn't even think about it. Like I, I, I found a good job. I had a great job. My life was good. And one day I, I went to work and I worked at a gym. I was, I was, I was uh, managing a personal training uh, center of a gym. And so I went in there and all, all the hell trainers were tra- was waist together. And they're all in there deadlifting. And they're like, Greg, come deadlift with us. Come deadlift with us. And I was like, nah, I, I can't do that. Like, we know who you are. You know, you, you know we you don't talk about it. We don't know. We looked you up. And I was like, oh, fuck it, fine. <laughs> so we went up. So I had two, two plates from the bar. So I did it. And at some point I was waiting for the bar to fall out of my hands. So I went two plates, three plates, four yeah. plates. It was fine. I was like, holy shit. Then five plates and six plates and seven plates. And I, I went, I, I put the bar down and that, that one didn't say a word. I walked in my boss's office. I was like, yo, man, I quit. I'm going back to Maine. And he's like, what the fuck? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to start powerlifting again. He's like, you have a huge gym here. Why did you powerlift here? I was like, oh, I got to go back to my roots. So I left that day. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. And so, like you said, you have, you're coaching over 1,100 yep. people. Um, what is kind of the, I guess, like your process and in going into? Uh, so I have, I have, I believe now, four different things I'm running. Maybe five or six, even. I don't even know how many teams I have now. I have guys coaching some of my teams. I have some of my teams are split up. So we have about 1,100 people combined. But as far as like the policy portion, the policy team I have, it's like 
um, anybody can join. Uh, you're probably not going to notice much for about your first three months, you know. And uh, you put, you know, you get what you put out. You know what I mean? We, uh, you know, it's definitely not a feel-good team. Like we are, we are, we're a team. We're a, I, I treat us like any other sports team. You know, uh, you get what you put into it. You know, yeah. you spend, you spend your on my team for a year. I will pay all the attention to you in the world. But if you don't, I don't. You know, if you, if you quit, that's it. You know, I mean, I do a lot of the same stuff on the West Side. You know, it works really well. Makes people compete. And so, what you do when you sign up is that you are told that you need to find somebody to to compete with. You need to find somebody on your level, and you two are now going to be partners. And you two are going to compete. And so, I have it's hard it's hard to do with a, a team my size with, with like maximal singles. So we do in stuff like AMRAPs, yeah. like AMRAP contests. And I have a girl who scores 100 pounds, call it a guy who scores 800 pounds, and have them compete. Is it perfect? No, but it's fun as fuck. <laughs> so that's you know that's awesome. I, I do this like any other sports coach would have done it anywhere. I was I was an athlete in every other sport before I powerlifted, and so I, I think if I, when I went to powerlifting, I thought of powerlifting was just a sport. It was a sport like any other. My job is to show up on the platform whichever day and beat everyone in the contest. You know, just like my job was that at wrestling, my job was that playing football, my job was that throwing shot put. You know, it was the same job, just go in and win. And that's all I really ever thought about. So that's kind of how I teach it. I try to, and of course it's impossible to really, really, really do, but I try to make everybody on my team compete twice a year in one bench contest. And do they do it? No, but <laughs> some do. But, you know, it's, it's hard to make people yeah. do stuff. But uh, we have an awesome team, an awesome community. The thing that's cool with my team is that, like, like you know, normally when you go on, like, these teams, I'm on a bunch of other, other people's, like, pages and stuff. Like, some of them post a video or, or ask a question, and they'll get, like, a comment and maybe a like on the video. Our stuff will have 160 comments. You know, we've had, we've had like 200 comments on, on, on someone's, someone's video. You know what I mean? Like, everybody works hard. We're all in it together. It's, it's, it, we have an, I have a really awesome thing going on online, honestly. It's, it's amazing. So, yeah. My whole day awesome. is online, basically, at this point in my life. <laughs> Not winning big. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you know, I never want to coach, man. I never want to be a fucking coach. I just want to be 25 for a break yeah. records, you know? I never really thought much beyond that. <laughs> yeah. I thought it'd be to be at a 30. 30 <laughs> when I'm 25, 30 seemed like such an old man. I'm like, I'm not going to make it that far. But yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm 23, yeah. so 30 is yeah, a long way away. <laughs> but it comes fast. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I, so I think that the competitive aspect of that coaching kind of yeah. cool. Um, kind of makes me wonder, um, I guess, at Westside, with it being very highly yeah. competitive in that environment, how often do you see people come in that have whether it's good potential or not a lot of potential, but are just kind of in and out of there oh, all the time. <laughs> all the time. All the time. Yeah. 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 We need people come in for, but nobody would, the weird thing about West Side is like, nobody would tell you somebody's leaving. And so you, somewhere you get there, you become friends with them. There was a guy there from England who came once and him and I became really close friends. Like we, we, we would, we'd have dinner at night, like three or four nights a week. We'd go out and have dinner and have some beers and stuff. And like, then all of a sudden he was gone. And I was like, what happened to him? Louis like, he went home. I'm like, <laughs> why didn't you tell me like it happened all the time or somebody would get arrested go to jail and they'd be gone for like nine years you're like yeah they're doing nine years sorry so it happened a lot it happened a lot man <laughs> it's a hard the thing about west side that people don't quite understand is it has to be your entire life you know it's basically a biker game like it's your entire life everybody's like oh i wish i had gone there but it's like would you really have done it would you really have on a moment's notice you know fly out to california to go to go coach help coach some lifter who you've never even met you know what i mean and there's some guy competing in the morning crew who i didn't know or the or the or the, or the afternoon crew who i didn't know i would have to go to the contest you know they're part of the team and if you're not going to do that they'll throw you right out you know so it's like 
your whole life is powerlifting. It's not just your own. You know, it's everybody else on the teams too. And Louis is far more interested in the team than he is any any person on there. You know, if you're if you're the best lifter in there, you're yeah. gonna do what you're supposed to do. He's gonna throw you out. Uh huh. Um. So, kind of at the time of filming West Side versus the World, about how long after like you leaving West Side? Was oh there? God, that was uh. <laughs> I want to say like eight, eight or nine years. Yeah. Yeah. So what was it like, kind of like reliving oh, awesome. that experience awesome. again? So kind of a funny story about that too. So when I went to the West Side movie, I drove out to Ohio. So I, I left from work at like eight o'clock at night and just drove to Ohio. It was the longest drive. It was like it's like a seventeen or eighteen hour drive. It's misery. Pennsylvania is the worst state to drive to in the country. And so, <laughs> and so we got there at like four or five in the morning. It was like some obscene time, and. uh and the guy's like, hey, yeah, you come to it now. I'm like, bro, I haven't slept in like 24 hours. And he's like, come on, man, just come shoot a little bit. So we go shoot for like 10 hours. Like, we go shoot that damn thing for 10 hours. And he's like, and so it was over. And I, I, I drove, I went from there. I drove all the way home. I didn't sleep. So I didn't sleep for like two days. And I get back, and like a week later, he calls me up. He's like, hey, man. He's like, I'm sorry, bro. He's like, I lost all your footage. I'm like, what the fuck? So oh, he was like, yeah, he's like, my, my producer opened it up uh, outside. He opened up the film outside. I'm like, I know, I know nothing about film. I know how to do that. <laughs> like, so, so what happened was I had, I had uh, Reebok Record Breakers in California and like, like a few months after that. And so I flew out there. I tore my quad on my second squat. So I completely forgot I had to do, do the movie. I completely, it completely was out of my mind. So I'm in the parking lot drinking beer, having a panel with some guys. And, and my girlfriend at the time was like, hey, we did that movie. I'm like, oh, shit. And I was in the worst mood in the world. I couldn't walk. And so that's when I did that. It was in a hotel room in uh, California. That's where I quit my quad. That's yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah. So um, you're up in yeah. Maine now. What, what What's the name of the gym? So I can't have a CrossFit, actually. It was, I know it's kind of strange, but it's called CrossFit Casco Bay. You know, I trained there's a normal CrossFit. Yeah. It's, uh, I like the community. I like the people, you know, I, I have a lot of friends in there. I've been there now for about 12 years, you know? So I was actually coming, yeah. I actually went there for the first time to do a seminar. So I was going there for like an hour or two and, uh, I think I was like, Hey, you want a job? And I was like, you know what? Yeah, why not? So I, I was doing like a part-time thing. And then like within a few months, it was my full-time job. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so I know you occasionally do the seminars. Yep. Is, uh, I believe it's the fifth set. Yeah, right? we do that one. That'll that be one with Trevor Gaffney yeah. as well. Yep. Yeah, so I, I know um, you guys came down to Mass Iron yep. and Hanson, which is yep. right by me. That's where oh, I train. Um, I guess maybe just kind of explain to me more about like what the seminar is. What's yeah, kinda, so like, the I do one with Sweet Burns, uh, who Sweet Burns is by Louis Simmons for raw lifting. You know, when I want to learn raw, I went with, I went, I was like, I want to do something new. I was done with West Side. That was, I, that time had come and gone. It was a wonderful time. No, definitely nothing. No animosity whatsoever. I just want to try something new. So I knew Sweet was doing, you know, basic periodization training. I want to learn how to do that. So I hit him up, and and uh, him, me, him, and Brandon, Brandon Lilly started doing seminars. And so we did those for about three years. And then Brandon ended up getting too busy and leaving. And so me and Sweet just kept doing them. We hit 160 of them or something like that. 165. And so for, for the last three years, we stopped doing them and we're going to go back in. His, his programming is the basis of my programming. So that's what we do together. So we do a lot of the same stuff. He, he, he's, a, he's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant coach. Brilliant. Uh, I guess, where, where did the name Fifth Set come so from? So the Fifth Set, what he does on two of his days is called, what's called a Fifth Set. So it's going to be a Forces at Two, then an AMRAP. So the AMRAP is called the Fifth Set. The 4 by 2 is a primer getting ready for the big set. 
Awesome. Um, I guess I don't really use AMRAPs a lot in my training, but I know there can be some yeah, benefits. Yeah, I a lot kind of, of yeah. what is your... Yeah, you feel like you can get a lot of training. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. It. Plus muscle size too, you know what I mean? The big one of the bigger problems I see with lifters now is they don't have this they don't they're I don't know if they're afraid or don't know how to, but they don't have the, the size they that they really need. I mean the guy obviously guys to talk to, but you know. I I feel like that's one of the biggest things I gotta work on my team. With my team we call I call the seventy five percent rule. If you Oops, yeah, so we were talking about uh, the yeah. AMRAPs and the yep. muscle size. and So AMRAPs, what I see the biggest the biggest benefits of AMRAP is that the first thing, of course, is muscle size. Second, you get a whole lot of practice. So if we do 80% of one round max for a 4 by 2 AMRAP, you're going to get around 18 to 20, you know, good, good solid practice reps, you know. So if you watch the technique of my team, everybody's technique is flawless. It was all built through AMRAPs. Yeah. Um yeah, so with the, I guess with the AMRAP training, um, how often does your team perform AMRAP sets? So we will do, we do, we'll do an AMRAP or an AFSAP every week. An AFSAP is basically an AMRAP, but there's a number to shoot for, say 13, 15 reps, whatever it might be. But I want you to do it as few sets as possible. So we use AFSAPs actually more often than AMRAPs now in my training. So we'll use it. So my, my program is on a four-week schedule. So... We will do it every every week. You'll hit it in one of the lifts. So the idea is that you're going to hit an AMRAP or AFSAP and a squat bench or deadlift or both every week. There's a whole mathematical thing to it that yeah. I don't understand that my friend did for me. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, I guess go, so. Going back to Westside, um, since uh, I guess when's the last time you've visited? There? I was there Have about a month ago. Visited since past. Yeah, I was there about a month ago. Yeah. yeah. So two months ago. So we went out there for Leaf, the Elite Fitness podcast. Um, it was definitely not the West Side that I do. You know, there's two, like, we went in there, there's, like, these two, like, kids, I mean, they were nice kids, but they were, like, kids, you know, they weren't kids at West Side when I was there, but there was a grown-ass man. So, I mean, it was, yeah. it was, I guess it's a very, very, there's a lot of fitness models there and stuff now, I don't know, I have no idea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess, yeah, that's kind of something I'd be wondering, it's kind of, like, how how the environment is now that I have it's gone, kind of very different. Yeah, that, yeah, it's, yeah. You know, we we knew too. Like, we talked about it a lot. You know, about what was going to happen when Louis died. I mean, he was an old man when I was there, so it was like yeah. he was like when it when it when I, when it's when I when I die, it's over. You know, the gym's gone. I'm gonna shut the doors. No one's going yeah. in there at that point after that. And then he ended up selling it to Rome, which yeah. you know is fine. I get it, money, but. You know, I kind of wish, I kind of wish you'd given it to one of the guys in my crew, not me, but like Matt, not my wedding, I guess. Uh, maybe like Luke or Chuck or something, you know? Yeah. I, I think, yeah, I do remember that in the in the yeah. documentary, kind of like, uh, like Chuck was kind of yeah. thought he was going to be. Yeah, we all did. Yeah. We all thought he would be. So, yeah. We thought he deserved it. You know, I have no important time in that place. Either. Yeah. You know, and what they ask from you with that gym is, 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 is people don't understand like how much you're being asked to do in that place. You know, if you have kids and a, and a full-time job, this is going to be misery. I don't know if it's possible. It's got to be your life, yeah. you know? And for Chuck, it's Chuck's life. Chuck's somebody who can carry that out, and it's his life. You know? So he'd be perfect for it. Plus, he's in the same attitude as, as Louis. So, yeah, I think Chuck should have gotten it personally, but. Yeah. Um, are you still, like, in touch with a lot no, of you guys? No. Well? I talked to Ch- I talk no. to Luke Edwards almost every day. Uh, he'll always be my brother. Um, I talked to Matt Wedding yep. every once in a while. AJ every once in a while. Uh, but no, not not so much. You know, once you leave there, it's sort of like you know your time's done. It's probably the same as like being on a team yeah. somewhere. You get traded, like you know, you just move on with your life. Yeah, that's uh, 
I mean, it's it's awesome to see kind of just the evolution yeah. of the sport through. Okay. Yeah, kind of just yeah, she's a lot. Yeah. I mean, and um, it's uh the thing that the big difference from like that generation, this generation is that everybody in that generation was just training groups. So you, because we're all multiply, so multiply, you can't do it alone. I did it for a long time yeah. actually, it was misery. But you want to be around, you know, six, eight other people, put you in gear, you know, get you hanging from this shit. It's a nightmare. And so especially my gear was yep. so tight, it took like eight people to put on me. And so you have to train in groups. So you, when you're in a group, you know, guys are guys are competitive when you're in a group. So that's how we get good. Somebody we get, somebody would hit this total. Somebody else would try to beat it. You just keep doing that over and over again. Then over the course of years, the totals get huge. So every gym that I went to before Westside was just like Westside. Just there weren't people who weren't as strong, but they were you know same same idea. Every, yeah. every gym was like that. You know, they're all crazy. Every lift from that generation is fucking nuts. It was just a blast. <laughs> I was the youngest guy. You know, I, I was yeah, like and- I'm only. You know, I'm only in my early 40s. Like, most of those guys, when I went to Westside, were in their early 40s. They're, like, my age now. Maybe a little younger. But, you know, so I, I, I was able to come out of Westside still as a young man and still be able to do some stuff raw, which is cool. Because <laughs> those guys just got too old. Well, they didn't yeah. want to. They were too old. Yeah. And um, it, with the sport of power, like, powerlifting back then, it was just, all of it was just a cool. Yeah. Yeah. So raw was kinda, a good thing. Cool yeah. the, I actually kind of funny. For my first two years of powerlifting, I did raw just because I couldn't afford gear. I was a you know, 18, 19 year, old, 19 year old kid in college, and I was like, I have no money. So I would just show up to contests with nothing. Not even, I didn't have a belt. I didn't have shoes. I had nothing. I would borrow a belt from somebody and win the contest. I'd beat all the gear guys. I'd have just a belt on. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so back then, was it like, were you competing against guys in the in the game? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And don't, that's yeah, all it was. So people, people would, like, feel bad for you. They'd be like, hey, man, you want to borrow an adventure? I I Bet you borrow. I have an extra squat suit in my car if you want it. And I just be like, nah, I'm sure I'm gonna do it like this. I, I, no, I didn't even know what was going on. I, like, I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> I just wanted to be around those guys. You know what I mean? It wasn't even about competing. It was just be around people that I felt like were like me because I was such an outcast always because of it. And like, there's people who actually do this the same way I do it because they enjoy it and they love it, you know? And so it was more about that. And Westside was honestly more about that too. I went to Westside more for the environment than I did for like, the methods or the other shit. Like, I went there because I want yeah. to be around guys like you know guys like that because I felt like those guys like me. You yeah. know. Yeah, I think the the environment in a gym is just as important as I the think training it's itself. Important. In my I think opinion, it's the so. most important thing. It's the one thing that since I started pushing on my team, it has made the biggest change. Like we have the guy guys on my team. Because our AMRAPs have gone from like seven or eight to like eighteen or twenty. You know, people's numbers just keep going up and up because everybody's competing against each other. It's pretty dope. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess if you had to pick, maybe uh, one of your favorite or funniest stories, or even craziest stories from West Side, what do you have? Like a, a number one? I mean, there's just so much shit there. You know what I mean? Like, you, you put this in the context. I remember I walked in one day, and Louis in there boxing with Stephen Bonner. Remember him, the uh, UFC champion, Stephen Bonner? They're in there. Bo- he's a he was a UFC middleweight champion, and him and Louis Simmons are in there boxing. I'm like. I'm like, Louis, what the fuck are you doing? You're 75 years old. He's like, he's like, he hired me for this. He's paying me money for this. I looked at him. I go, are you paying money to box with him or teach you how to, how to lift weights? And he goes, I ah, kind of kind of lift weights. I'm like, Louis, he doesn't want to box with you. You're, you're an old man. And Louis, but Louis would have to like wrestle and fight with him. It was insane. Like, what is wrong with you? Louis was a tough, tough dude, though. Yeah. He, could, he could box, too. He could box for real, though. Yeah. Really? Was, That's funny. I was in the gym with him one night. I'll never forget this. So 
they get a bouncer from somewhere. You can you go to Columbus, Ohio. Like you just go to bars. The bouncer like six seven, like three eighty. You find some college kid who bitches six fifty. You're like, what the fuck? You find some college kid who has like nine twenty deadlifts. What kind of twenty year old college kid has a nine twenty deadlift? But you just find people in Ohio like that. And so he brought this kid and this bouncer. And he was kind of a goofball, but him and Louie were walking around talking. And he goes to Louie, he goes, he's like, he goes, the only reason anyone in the gym is strong at all is because of steroids. And Louie looks at him and goes, what the fuck did you say? And I saw it from across the room, so I was trying to get there before it, before it really broke down. And he said it again, and Louie just fucking jacked him. So Louie puts him down on the ground. Louie's on top of just beating the living fuck out of bloods everywhere. So I go pull Louie off. Louie's Louis missing punches half the time and hitting the cement. So this guy's head's hitting the cement. So I, I pulled Louie off. It was like pulling. It was it was like pulling a pit bull off, pit bull off or something. I'm holding on to him. The guy runs out. Louis screaming at me like you were gonna kill him. He was gonna die. I cannot like not let that happen. <laughs> I need you here, man. And uh, for a minute he's like, I want to throw crazy. you out. I'm like, what the fuck? But it was, I mean, that's how it was. <laughs> you can't break up fights in there. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's just so much um, insane stuff in there. This is all insane. Everybody in there is insane. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, what, what do you kind of, what are your like current goals? Like what's kind of like keeping you going? My team, what's kinda, man. You know, my, 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 team, my team's goal. I've, I've met all my goals. You know what I mean? I've done everything I wanted to do. Now my team's goals, my team's goals, like the guys on my team's goals, that's what keeps me going. You know what I mean? I want to see them do stuff. I, yeah. want, I want them to feel this, you know? And so, you know, it's really all about them at this point. I don't really know what the fuck's going on in policy anymore. All I know about is my team. Kind of like Louis. Louis, Louis yeah. had no idea what's happening. Louis, Louis couldn't tell you any, yeah. any world champions that were outside of West Side. He had no idea. I don't think Louis ever put a bench shirt on. <laughs> That's funny. When, uh, when was like your? What, what was your last competition before you like officially retired? Ooh, I did, so I tore my quad off, like I said, in uh, California. It was like five, six years ago, and I wanted to do one more contest after that. I squatted like seven twenty-five. I benched five twenty, I think. It pulled like seven, I don't know, seven twenty-five probably as well, something in that range. So it was. It was I just wanted to do one more and make sure I still squat on my leg and just like. And after that, I retired. I was good. And that that contest wasn't even. I didn't really care. I just wanted to get one more squat on my quad I had torn. And uh, you know, am I yeah. retired forever? I don't know. I don't know. Right now, I am. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I'm never gonna feel that again. I'll, yeah. I'll never feel that feeling of walking in and erasing you know the two forty-two champions name off the board of West Side. You know, it's not gonna happen again. I'll never walk back into West Side again. This is you know. And at this point, I've done it all. The raw stuff was just for fun. Um, and I had a pretty yeah. raw career, but it was it was just for fun. It was more just like something to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, my my team, my team keeps me going. You know, my girlfriend. My girlfriend's yeah. a great competitor. Um, she's got a contest in two weeks, so her too. You know, I love watching her compete. She's a great lifter, a great coach too. Yeah, awesome. yeah. I'm two weeks out as well. So. <laughs> Good luck, man. It's the worst. Yeah, I know. I just hit my my or maybe my opener on right. squat today, so I'm gonna start deloading yes. paper off. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So what what does your training kind of look like nowadays? <laughs> like me personally, it's just I, yeah. I do. Uh, so I I have weird little goals that I really never never was able to do during powerlifting. I want to build some big fucking legs. So I train legs like three days a week. Um, I push box yep. around. We I have no machines in my gym, so I built machines out of all the, all the band stuff. I can build every machine in the gym now with bands. Um, I I still bench yep. press heavy. I train upper body like a bodybuilder. Um, yeah, basically it's bodybuilding style stuff now. Nothing super heavy. Bench press is nice. I'll bench press over 500 pounds. Um, so if I can bench press 500 pounds, I get some big legs. I'll be happy. 
There's not a whole lot. So it's not really. Yeah. I train actually more. I train six days a week now. So when I'm in powerlifting, I would always train three or four days a week. Really, honestly, man, my 2100 pound yep. raw total, I was training twice a week. Um, I was working so much, so I, I really had only two days to train. And for some reason, I had the best, maybe the best results I ever had doing that. So I would bench and I would squat or deadlift, switch back and forth, and it worked beautifully. Um, so yeah, I've been, I've been all over yeah. the board. I, I really honestly want to learn as much as I could. You know, I want to learn everything there is to a powerlifting. I want to be good at every power. I want to learn how to do gear. I want to learn how to do raw, you know, stuff in between. I want to learn how to program. I want to learn how to, you know, I want, I want to know everything. I love this shit. Yeah. Yeah, me too. You don't want to put all your eggs in the yeah. basket. So, um, I guess at West, so with the, the conjugate, um, obviously people pull different things yep. from it. Um, what are some of the main things that you thought were the most like successful? Tell me how to struggle, man. I can grind through weights like nobody else. You can't learn how to grind through weights training with any other, any other methods other than conjugate. You know, I can grind through singles for, I, I can have a five-minute bench and still hit it, you know what I mean? If you watch any of my big lifts, they're all incredibly slow, like to a point where you would not think there was any possible chance I would ever get it. And that was all from West Side, 100% from West Side, you know? Yeah. Just just because in there, too, you have this, you know, you're not going to walk in there and say, well, I'm going to only do like an 85% lift today because you're going to lose and your days to be over at that point. So you're going to go in there every day and do 110%, you know, you're going to do whatever you have to. And I learned how to grind. I learned how to struggle through weights. That was probably the biggest thing. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. So um, I know the way Matt Wenning likes to um, kind of explain how the rotation of bars yep. and different things kind of can help with, I guess, recovery and like stop with like repetitive mm-hmm. movement yep. and causing injuries. Mm-hmm. Kind of, what's your what's your take on it? I mean, I think you do the same thing by just having scheduled deloads in a, in a program. I've had no problem. I mean, my my, my first movement every year, my all my training is is a bench press, squat, or deadlift, as done as done in, in in the gym. And I've had no problems. The only injuries I've ever had on my team are bicep tears. You know, from these giant guys with giant chest, these short arms pulling. I've never had another injury besides that on my team, so I don't know. I, there's, I mean, there probably is something to say for it, but I think if you train the movements correctly with good technique, I think you do them all the time and be fine. Yeah. What, uh, what was uh, maybe one of your like toughest movements? Oh, uh, squat. <laughs> I hate squatting. Just squatting in general. Play yeah. old fucking squat. I hate squatting. I hate squatting in gear. I hate squatting in raw. Um, Raw's worst. I had the hardest part. People don't understand how hard it is to change out of gear lifting into raw lifting. They are two completely different sports, completely different you know movements. So I had I hadn't done a raw squat in fifteen years when I put on a squat when I, when I first when I first went raw, and I couldn't squat four hundred five. I could not squat four hundred five in depth. I had a super wide stance, you know, gear squatting technique. <laughs> it just didn't transfer over at all, and uh, so I had a. I had to spend another two years learning how to squat, you know, raw before I went to a contest. I squatted 750 at my first raw contest, so it was a decent squat. But, um, yeah, it took a long time to get there. So that, that was the hardest part was the transfer over from gear to raw technique. Yeah. What was the uh, what was kind of like the evolution of gear during your time? Uh, I'll be straight up, man. I was not a part of it. I was always wearing people's old shit. I had not a piece of new equipment. <laughs> so everybody else was getting the, into poly yeah. shirts. I was like the last guy to still wear a denim shirt. Yeah. yeah, the denim scared. That shit could <laughs> just blow that. open at any time. There's denim and then yeah. there's Karen Klein denim. Karen Klein denim was, was a whole different ballgame. It was like, you know, that yeah. athletic uh, fit pants they have now, like the stretchy denim? It was like that. And man, it was yeah. beautiful. 
I found one yeah. on the floor at Westside. So I was sitting on a bench one day at Westside getting ready to bench. And I reached back like this. And you feel something. I was like, what is that? So I reached back again. I pulled out a brand new fucking Karen Klein's bench shirt. And I held it up. Like, yo, who is this belong to? And everybody's like, never seen it before. I'm going to take it. So I put it on and been 785 that day. My best bench was like 745. <laughs> there we go. I was like, holy shit. And so I had it. I did some repairs on it. And by the end of it, the problem was when we got to the end of all the repairs, I couldn't, I couldn't even. I couldn't even begin to, you know, uh, release a bench press. And it, it was just there. We had, yeah. like, Kevlar in, in the collar. We had, like, the stuff you used to, like, catch gold, uh, great white sharks all over the... It was insane. It was insane. <laughs> but I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't get yeah. it to go. I couldn't bend my arms. I couldn't bench at all. So that was kind of the end of that. Yeah, I know Dave Tate has that like old old shirt that he still <laughs> yeah. uses sometimes. Is that is that from that? Denim uh, he or was is it though. Old so that's denim? a little more. I believe that's an old Inzer denim. Inzer denim was cool. So I used that before I got the Karen, uh, which was also good too. But yeah, everyone everyone pretty much. So we had big iron big iron gym. And this guy named Sean Frankel. If you guys ever heard Sean Frankel, I think he's the best lifter of all time. But you can argue with me all that you want to. But he was getting into the Rage X shirt, and so if Sean was wearing a Rage X shirt. That meant everybody was wearing a Rage X shirt. So I tried to do it. I just couldn't. I couldn't figure it out. So I stuck with denim and uh, found the Karen. And it was like you know. So at that point, I believe I was the only lifter in the sport who was bench pressing and squatting or benching, benching and deadlifting over eight hundred pounds. And that's why I kept winning because nobody else could yeah. do that. So yeah, my bench press was really important. Yeah, I feel like that for multiply bench is such a yeah. big difference for yeah. people. Like it's kind of like a make it or break it, honestly. Hundred percent. There's a lot of guys like in the generation before me that were great squatters and great deadlifters and shitty benchers, and they can put up huge totals doing that. But I was like me, and then Sean and a couple other guys that came along, and we were good at every lift. So we were sort of the first guys that were good at all three. And so we kind of, you know, we kind of buried all those guys really quickly, even though they probably they might have been stronger than we were, <clears throat> but it didn't matter. They couldn't figure out the gear. We were like the first generation of people actually training in gear. So we got really, really good at gear. Because at Westside before us, yeah. they, would tra- they would put gear on for the first time in a meet. You know, they wouldn't wear it at all, train the training. Then they'd show up to meet and they'd put the shirt on for the first time, which sounds absolutely insane to me, but there's how they did it. Yeah, the, <laughs> that does not seem like no, a I can't imagine. Be misery. Yeah. Uh, I guess with the the bench shirts, I know like it can be very difficult to learn. Um, was was Louis good at like teaching people how to no, use bench shirts? No. Think? Like, no. Yeah. But what Louis was good at was finding people that were really good at that. So he had 10 guys around him. But yeah. he, I mean, he, so what happened, I, when I got to Westside, I was not a great bencher. I had like a, a 425 raw bench, but I was definitely around 800 pounds. I had a, you know, th- over a thousand pound squat. And so, <clears throat> So Louie wanted to teach me how to do it. So we spent, Louie and I, one July day, spent six hours living in a shirt. It was like 100 degrees outside. It was covered in sweat. And we just could not get it. So he calls up George Halbert. He's like, George, can you come out here and help out for a minute? He's like, sure. So George walks in with a spray bottle. He sprays the collar on my shirt, pulls it down a half an inch. He was getting her, it's like 750 that day for the first time. All of a sudden, it, just, it, was, it was that simple. So, but yeah, Louie was really, and the same thing I tried to do too, is that there's so much stuff that I don't know and don't want to learn about nutrition, injury, shit. I don't care. So I'd rather have somebody do that for me. So I hire people on my team to do that. And that way I don't have to deal with it. You know, so it's worth paying somebody if I, so I don't have to hear about it. You know? Yeah, almost like being like a like a master talent. Yes, exactly. Like exactly. Yes, yes. I don't want to do everything, yeah. you know? 
So yeah, so yeah. Louis, yeah, so, so yeah, yeah, a fifty-pound piano, the second George sprayed it down and pulled the collar down. I, I don't think Louis had really ever worn like the modern style of gear because I put him. In, I, I had him wear. Yeah. Him and I get a huge fight one day because he's like, if you cannot unrack the weight yourself, you can't bench it. And I'm like, I bench eight twenty-five. I'm sure it's fucking not unracking eight twenty-five in a bench shirt. He was like, well, then you're not benching. <laughs> it's fake. I'm like, I'm like, so I'm like, I'm like, you know what? Let's put you in a bench shirt and watch you unrack four hundred five. So he put it in a bench shirt. He's like. I can't move. I can't move. <laughs> so obviously, he's not <laughs> uh, like, I, I, I stop saying that now because it's pissed me off. But yeah, that's funny. He didn't know a lot about gear. What Louis did really well was was at least for me, make me want to impress him. You know, he's very good at that. If you can do that as a coach, then you can coach. You know, like, I I wanted to beat everybody for him. You know, it meant so much to me that yep. you know, after a contest, he would tell me I did a good job and give me a hug. You know, and for that, it was worth it. As crazy as that sounds. You can't really understand it unless you're there, but it's, it's that meaningful, you know. And most of us there come from bad, you know, bad places, bad childhoods and shit. Like, and so you know, that Louis was kind of a dad figure for us, you know what I mean? Like, I call him dad once he pushed me, but <laughs> but he was kind of like a dad figure, you know. <laughs> you want to impress your dad? That's what yeah. you know, how he feels yep. towards Louis. Yeah. What was the uh, what was the environment like? Kind of like rolling into the meet as the West Side. <laughs> it's a blast, man. It's the funnest shit in the world. Everyone all black, you know. The coolest part of me for that generation was, again, everybody was on teams. So you'd walk into a hotel room or hotel lobby, and there'd be, you know, five, six, eight different teams there. And everybody knew who everybody was. One of the funniest shit. So there was a coach in, in uh, Chicago named, um, what was his name? Oh, I can't think of his name. Ernie France. There was a co- coach, in, coach in Chicago named Ernie France. And Ernie was a little bit older than Louis. So Louis was probably in his 70s. This guy's probably in his 80s. And him and I were all sitting, me and Louis, are in the hotel lobby kind of talking. And Louis sort of goes, that's Ernie France. And I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, Ernie, Ernie like, put out great equipment. Ernie, Ernie put out great gears, great lifter. You know, so I thought he was like, you know, that's Ernie France. I was like, oh, that's awesome. And Louis goes, hey, Ernie, fuck you. And Ernie looks at goes, I'll beat your fucking ass. And I'm like, what is happening right now? And it took me a few seconds to realize they're about to fight. And so they get right in front of each other. They're both five foot two. And they're, both, they're all squared up like they're in a fight. I had to kind of pull Louis off. Like, what are you doing? This dude's 80 years old. He's like, I'll beat his ass. That's Because like, nuts. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it was always a blast, though. You know, we always I had, I had contests, yeah. for, I mean, contests for us was like a celebration. You know, it was, it was a fun time. We weren't nervous. Like, it's what yeah. the gym, the gym made me nervous. The contest, didn't, I wasn't nervous at all. <laughs> everybody I wanted to beat was That's in funny. my gym. You know, everybody, everybody I cared about beating was in my gym. So, yeah. So I know the the women of Westside were also like a very successful yep. group. Kind of what was like the like the interactions you guys had? Did you guys Honestly, interact? Honestly, we trained in different that... rooms. It was like there wasn't a ton. There wasn't a whole lot. Of, like people always ask me who, who were the women when we were there, and I'm like, I don't really. Laura Phelps obviously was there. Uh, I don't yeah. know. I didn't didn't really see them that much, you know. So we trained at the same time in the morning. I was part of the morning crew, but they were always in another room. We never really crossed paths that much. You know, so it was a whole lot of interaction yeah. between us, which sounds weird, but I don't know. It wasn't. Yeah. Did you guys often go to the same meets? Yeah. Or? Oh, yeah. Always. Always. Yep. Yeah. All, the whole West Side males, guys, girls, everybody with the same meets. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Everyone was on yep. the same schedule. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That was the big thing. They were um, all there together. You know, training, all cheering each other on and stuff. Yeah. So, like, obviously, like you said, you kind of showed up to West Side with your car and 400 <laughs> yeah. bucks. So, 
how did you how did you end up kind of like getting enough food, getting enough supplements? So, like what what did you do to get by? So it definitely wasn't enough food or supplements. <laughs> so, I was honestly only in my car though. People asked I was in my car for like five years. I was in my car for like a month and a half. You know, it wasn't that long of a time. It was misery. But even when I got out of there, like it took me a minute. I I had, I had no concept of moving. I had lived at my mom's house and in college. That was it. You know, so I, I did not understand. Like what you had to do to move. I had nothing with me. I had, I had no clothes. I had nothing. I had nothing. I had nothing. I had shitty geo prism. The doors didn't. We couldn't lock the doors because they had no door handles. Like it was, it was the biggest thing on radio. No AC. No heat. It was the biggest piece of shit ever. And like I was like, oh, this is fine. This will work. And so I went out there. And just I had no concept of like, you know, finding a place or a job. I I I, I was a bouncer. I was the only job I ever had. That point was a bouncer. I was a kid. You know, I was bouncing clubs. And so I had no cost of doing any of this stuff. And it was like, it was, it was misery. It was, it was awful. And then I finally found an apartment and then everything kind of worked out after that. It was fine. But during that time, I was, I lost like 25 pounds in my first month there. I could not, couldn't get, couldn't, couldn't get food. So what I would do was, is there's an all night uh, grocery store, like almost across the street from West Side of Meyer. Uh, and it was open all night. And so I would wait. The problem was when you're living in your car, the people don't quite take into account is that when you're living in your car, you're just sitting in your car. There's nothing to do in your car. So it's not the sleeping part of that. It's just the 11 a.m. when you got out of the gym until the next day at 7 a.m. when I'm back to the gym. That was the hard part. You're just sitting kind of bored in your mind. Yeah. So what I would do is kind of pull it around to the back of West Side and just kind of sit there all day. And I don't want to go back to West Side and be like, hey, I have no place to live, so can I come hang out and watch? Like, I, I, I didn't want to do that. So yeah. I was kind of sit in my car all day. It was like before phones were cool. You know, the phones didn't have anything cool on it. They didn't have the internet on it. So, you know, I was sitting there and be bored. They're waiting for people to leave at West Side. And I'll go back to West Side. I'll go back in when people were gone. At least they had a radio and like some books and stuff. So, okay, the people would come back in. I would leave and I'd do that all day long. And uh, eventually Louis caught me and he was like, What are you doing? I'm like, I had no place to go, Louis. He's like, He's like, Go to your fucking apartment. I'm like, I don't have an apartment. He's like, Where do you live? I'm like, I live in my car. He's like, You live in your goddamn car? I was like, Yeah, I'll go back. He's like, Jesus Christ. He's like, so I went to his house for dinner that night. His wife made like sloppy Joe and I ate like 10 pounds and I was so hungry. I was legitimately starving. I was legitimately starving. I would eat like cereal bars. Like all I had to eat, I, was, I would go in the grocery store at night and like sneak around and open a box of cereal, like nutrient bars and I'd walk around and eat those and hide the, pa- hide the packages, you know. That's all I would eat for the entire day. It was miserable. I thought yeah. I was going to die. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's kind of it's crazy that you managed to just kind of stick through it because you were just I had like, nothing. Oh, I couldn't go it. anywhere. I didn't have enough money to get home. I couldn't go yeah. anywhere. You know, I was stuck there. I could not leave. I didn't know. I would have absolutely left. I had a choice, hundred percent. It's not because I was so badass. I just didn't have a choice. I had nothing else to do. I couldn't leave. So if I had, if I had been to leave, yeah. if I had been able to leave, you and I probably wouldn't be talking right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I know, like the the whole going to Bob Evans before yeah. training thing was kind of a yeah. big deal. What, so what was was that before every training? Uh, it's just about it's, yeah. Like, I, I would say, you know, unless you had something to do, like yeah, he he was there every morning. You know, how many people would show up? That changed yeah. a lot. I would try to go every morning. I love listening to talks, so I try to go every morning. You know, the stories were incredible, and I would sit there and, like tell a story about Matt Dibble, tell a story about Matt Dibble. You know, and he would. He always had great. You know, so it was it was. Oh yeah, it's pretty much every morning. Every every, I would eat with him a lot. I would, I would eat with him too on days we were training. So him and I would eat even sometimes like three meals together on days I wasn't, wasn't training. I probably spent more time around him than anyone else ever did, to be honest with you. Like you know, he loved Chuck, but yeah. Chuck, Chuck was so hard to get to know. You know, Chuck was so non-friendly. Like Chuck was not 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 confrontational, yeah. but just didn't talk. He just wouldn't. And I'm, I'm someone who wouldn't talk. You know, so so Louis kind of viewed me like he was his buddy. So him and I would hang out like all day on days I wasn't training too. You know, if I met a girl, yeah. if I met a girl, um, we go right to his house, we could meet him. You know what I mean? Like, 
Like it was, like yeah, yeah. It, was, it, was, it was probably more so of like a father son relationship, honestly, than anyone else ever had with them. Um, I know. We, That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. We had to be. I learned a lot, yeah. a lot, a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so with kind of with Chuck, I know he went and left the gym for a while. Um, what? When were you, were you around in that time when he left, or was that before? It was because of me. What? It was, be, it was because of me. Yeah. That's why I left. Okay. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. yeah. I was there. What happened was him and I had a contest against each other. They were competing. We were in the same weight class. And he ended up blowing his yep. knee off. And he – I don't I, – I never really – I never really talked to him about it, so I don't really know what the situation was. But what I was told was he blamed me and Louie. Like, me and Louie had some sort of conspiracy to have him blow his kneecap off and me win the contest. Oh, yeah. yep. And it wasn't – I mean, there was no – I didn't know about it. That was happening. I had no idea. I had, I was, I had no idea what was going <laughs> yeah. on. You know what I mean? Chuck was my idol. Like, I, didn't, I had no ambition to beat him. He was my god. You know, I, I didn't think I ever could. And, you know, that beat happened. It was a shame, but I, I certainly had, I had nothing to do with it. I don't think Louis did either. He, I heard nothing about that beforehand. Um, you know, I think it was just a bad stroke of luck. And the problem was, what made me look bad was that my last squat was definitely high. It was absolutely high. You know, my first squat was good. They called me high. My second squat was I missed because I put my feet in close together and tried to squat the suit that way. You can't. And I was like, I can't hit the depth of the suit. So my third squat, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to bomb out. So I just did a normal squat. And they gave it to me. For whatever reason, gave it to me and bombed him out. And why it happened, I don't know. But sometimes it doesn't work for you. It's, uh, I've, it's, same shit's happened to me, too. But it is what it is. Yeah. You know, and I certainly had nothing. nothing. Yeah, I loved him. I had nothing against him. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think actually kind of talking about higher squats, mm-hmm. like, now with like all the social media and having forty mm. cameras on someone, um, it's definitely a lot more nitpicky now. Do you think oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yes, yes, we're yes. getting away with more high squats yeah. back then, or it's yeah. just more apparent now? Uh, we probably, well, I mean, we got away with a lot more. You know what I mean? Because again, it wasn't that big of a sport. Like it was, it was, it was a bunch of you know thirty to forty year old men having a good time. It's basically a biker gang of guys lifting weights. So they weren't like people weren't as, as serious about us. I don't want to say serious, but it's like nitpicky. It was a very small like you know sub group of people. Like we were just such a small group of people that like we, there, was, there really wasn't a place for hate because we were just, there was so few of us. So it didn't really make sense to ever hate each other, you know. Yeah. Um, so we never really nobody cared that much, you know. A multiplayer squat was a multiplayer squat. You know, your feet are fucking ten feet wide. You can't you're not bring a parallel chulo doing that. It's not gonna happen. And it's possible, you know. So. I mean, no one really cared that much, I don't think. Not like they do now. I guess they, you know what, well, some people did. Some people did. Because USCPL was around then. And back then, it was, you know, USCPL yeah. versus us. Like, you know. And for me, though, I, yeah. I love the USCPL. You know what I mean? I would always say, Louis, I wish I went there instead, man. I didn't know it was an option. And he gets so mad. But you know, I, I, I love any of the powerless, man. You powerless, I, you know, you're, you're my friend as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, so you said you went to Westside about a month ago to visit? Yeah, a month or two ago for the Elite Fitness Podcast, and my girlfriend and I stopped by. It was a couple kids there. Like a couple yeah. kids. It was a pretty normal gym at this point. Um, it definitely was not the same yep. place it was when I was there. Is the uh, chalkboard still up there? Oh, yeah, chalkboard's still there, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, yeah I think, I think um, honestly, I feel like, at, especially with the environment there, like, I feel like people are more excited about getting on the chalkboard than probably – Performing yes. well to meet. Absolutely. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And Louis knew that too, but Louis knew too. 
if you have your name on that board, then you got to perform well at the meet. You know, it's probably going to take a world record to get on that board. So, you know, Louis knew that. He's a smart guy. Yeah. So he said, you know, if I make it this important on this board, that means he's going to be world champion. So, good <laughs> job. The numbers on that board are, are still are insane. Insane. Like, you look at the lightweight yeah. classes, like the guys like Doug Heath that have been on that board for like 35 years. It's insane. That's crazy. You know, there's been five five so, different badass um, motherfuckers names to race before your name goes on there. That's bad as hell. Yeah, yeah. I remember in the in the documentary, it was like there's names out here of people who've had world records and were great lifters, but you'll probably never even know they existed. Yep, exactly. Yep. Race off the board. Yep. There's so yeah. many of them through Westside like yeah. that. Yeah. You know? And that's the thing is when you're erasing somebody's name, you're erasing their whole legacy. You know, in the gym, it's over. Nobody's gonna remember you after that. You know. And my name's gone now too, which is cool. Mm-hmm. You kind of the weird thing is that you want your name to be erased because you want Westside to continue. You know, it's only gonna continue if names yeah. erased off the board. So, like, when people take my name off the board, I was like, that's awesome. I think that's great, you know? I have my time. Let somebody else have their time. Yeah, it's kind of like the next generation coming Yeah, exactly. You know? Claiming the spot. Yeah. So, if you could, um, I like to ask all my guests this kind of before wrapping things up. Um, If you could give, like, one piece of advice to a a new lifter or someone going into Mm -hmm. their first meet, what would you say? Uh, Your first meet doesn't matter. Use it for experience. Have fun. And then have about 25 more of these things to decide how far you want to go. It's going to take a long time. It's a long process. You know, it's all, longevity is only that matters. And the more you struggle, the more you get out of it. You know, this is how it goes. And it sucks, but struggles what builds lifters, struggles to build muscle, struggles what builds strength. You know, struggle. That's it. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so just to wrap things up, uh, where can they find you on Instagram? Uh, and if you have anything. Sure. You want yeah. To Big Poppy Panora um, on Instagram. Um, you know, if you're interested in learning how to lift weights, I coach lifters from, you know, first eight people to 22, 2,300 pound totals. So if you want to learn how to lift weights, I've got a great thing, a great community. If you're training alone, you want some training partners. I mean, I can't send you training partners, but you come online. We have a whole system on there. It's pretty awesome. So come see me. Awesome. Well, I wanted to thank you for thank you. taking the time out of the day and uh, joining. Um, this will conclude episode 12 of the Powerlifters Den. Thank, thank you. you. <laughs> Thanks for that.